Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your host, Bela Sebraff on The Definitive Rap. Hello, welcome to The Definitive Rap. I am Bela Sebrow. Thank you to Vin News for hosting our show. People love taking trips to places of interest and even exotic places. But the one place that people should take a trip to and visit is their soul. It takes a long trip and lots of time to study one's soul. Who are you? Who are we? What do you really want? And what does your soul want and need to accomplish? On today's show, we are going to take a trip and learn how to visit our souls. With us today is David Green, Rabbi David Green. Rabbi Green wrote his first book, A Book About You, which helps people find their individuality and soul awareness. Everyone has a different personality and meaningful path to achieve greatness in this world. He also wrote an album called Journey to the Real You. The songs and lyrics are woven throughout his first book with QR codes connecting the reader to the songs being quoted. Over 30 years of teaching, Rabbi Green addressed topics such as loneliness, self-esteem, inner awareness, making major life choices, how to find your soulmate, and more. A big part of knowing who you are is knowing what you are. By knowing that the soul is the most essential part of who you are, it will contribute to the journey to the real you. His new book, Pictures of Your Soul, takes you back to that basic question and explores the beauty of your soul and how to grow, even from a very low place, should someone be struggling with their spiritual awareness and identity. As an artist, he has also spent time in the film industry, winning uh, a cable ACE Award, the Cannes Film Festival for Deadly Currents, and the Health and Medical Film Festival for a movie starring Martin Short, which was distributed by Disney. For his livelihood, he invents and patents technology. Rabbi Green lives in Israel, happily married with eight kids and 16 grandkids. Thank God. His website for, for his music, books, and videos and personality quiz is realuproject.com. R-E-A-L-Y-O-U P-R-O-G-E-C-T dot com. Rabbi Green, it gives me tremendous honor to welcome you to the Definitive Rap. Thank you so much for having me. That was a great intro. I don't know if I have anything to say now. <laughs> oh, but you've got plenty to say, and we want to hear it all. So okay. before I start with my questions, and I've got some really, really interesting questions, really deep questions that we all we want to know the answer to, um, please tell us about your background. Okay, I grew up in Toronto, and I came from a very, very unaffiliated background. Um, and my whole life passion was to make it big in the music business. And when I was 16, I actually went out to California and started selling my stuff. By 18, I was doing an album. And uh, we, we decided to go to L.A. to do some recording there because there was more of an L.A. beat we needed. And it was an R&B album. And, um, you know, I was so very disconnected from myself. I was just running after success. And it was a very specific type of success as somewhat of a jazz background, trying to make it in the pop market. 
And that that's that's a tough thing to do because you have to sacrifice your artistic integrity to do so. And I was running after th that goal. And what happened was I was recording this album in L.A. And the producer, arranger named Gene Page, uh, he had won numerous Grammy Awards for past uh, albums he did. And he asked me if I would accept his award because he couldn't make it to the Grammys. And here I was this 18-year-old and, you know, like rubbing shoulders with people in the business is like, you know, that's how you move up the channels there, right? Yeah, it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> right, exactly. And I was going to be looked upon as a person who was successful because I was asked to accept the award for this, you know. So I, uh, he sent me a, a limousine to take me down to the Grammys and I'm in the limousine and I'm getting really nervous. And I was like suffering from tremendous anxiety because I started picturing myself going up there in front of thousands of people in the stadium and mil millions of people watching on TV and going up there and saying, like, I want to thank you on behalf of um, um, and just completely forget his name or something crazy like that. So I think that was the first time I prayed to God. I said, please make him lose because I don't want to go up there and make a total fool out of myself. Wow. And thank God he did lose. But what happened was there's a very big party afterwards. And in the party is for all the people who are nominees. And that's where I would rub shoulders with all of them. And, and I went into the, one of the rooms of this big party and I saw in front of me, my God, my idol, like the most amazing musician um, th that made a pop, uh, success, even though he's an incredible jazz musician, he did that very thing that I was striving for. So there I was looking at what I was running to be, and he looked totally depressed. And I stopped myself, and I had this vision that I'm running in the wrong direction. And I decided I better run after happiness and use my music as an expression of that happiness rather than running after this image of something that I don't know where it could lead to. It could lead to being depressed like this guy right in front of me. And that stopped me in my path. And that was the beginning of a process of rediscovering who I really was, discovering that inner self. What does David Green really want from life? And I, I missed out on, on college, so I decided to go to college in Bloomington, Indiana for music school. And all the musicians there were running after becoming the same guy in Hollywood that I met there. So I, it, was, it wasn't the right place for me after I did spend three and a half years there, but I found a lot of dichotomy in my Jewish identity. And I wanted to, I wanted to resolve that and either say hello to Judaism and embrace it or say goodbye to it because it's not true. So why should I waste my time and have all this anxiety living on the fence? You know, should I date non-Jewish girls or not the non-Jewish girls? It was like all these things that, that, that I was doing in my life seemed to be contradictory. Mm -hmm. So I decided, you know, the only place I'm going to really find people who are completely dedicated that I can really, really examine is to go to Jerusalem and learn. So I went to Asia Torah and I, I, I like, you know, argue with the rabbis for like months. And I, I was with about 30 guys who, who had all come in with the same sort of aggressive, you know, uh, we'll prove you wrong. One guy had done a, a thesis that there is no God. So he had all the arguments to prove there's no God. And he, he's the first one to become religious. <laughs> and, uh, 
uh, it was an it was an incredible experience. And what 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 I found was that as I was learning about who I was, um, and the more I was ignited on a spiritual level, the more my music actually started to flourish. It became no longer trying to be artsy, or trying to be Hollywood, but rather was trying to be me. And I went through an incredible transformation there. I had a jazz band. I used to perform every Motsi Shabbos at the Diaspora Yeshiva. They, we would alternate with them. And then I got to play on all these albums from Carla Bach to various Breslov things and various projects of writing music. And it was just like, this is the best music school I can imagine. Just just be David Green and let the music flow from there. And over the years, um, you know, I became more and more observant. And uh, I wanted I wanted to teach. I just felt like I had something to offer. I was already already somewhat of a psychologist type of personality. And uh, teaching comes with counseling. And I taught at Aish. I taught at Orsameach. I taught at Neve Yushalayim for five years. And had you know, I just found myself giving to others as being the essence of who I am. And so that's what brought me to this project I called Real You Project, um, which is all about help other people discover what their individual purpose is in this world. We used to have prophets that told us what our purpose was. And even though the prophets aren't, we don't have them telling us anymore, what they saw is still inside of us. So if you know there's gold inside of you, and you can dig for gold with this optimism that you're going to find it, but if I tell you to go in your backyard and dig for gold, you'll be very frustrated because you have no reason to think that is there. Right. So um, developing the tools of going through an inner search and finding that true self is what I've been helping people do for the last 30 years. Wow. And that's my basic background. Wow. Wow. I'm a very spiritual person. And um, even if I wasn't, there were many things that happened in my life and choices that I made that in retrospect, I know, came from a deeper place that cannot be intellectually explained all the time. I'm sure that many of our viewers and listeners can share the same thoughts. Rabbi Green, please help us understand how one can learn to enjoy this beautiful world and complete our own unique mission in this world. Well, first of all, um, understanding that there is the potential to do so, I think, is a first step. It's very hard to go on a trip if you don't believe there's a destination. So if you first believe that you can discover yourself, that it's something <clears throat> that we are taught to do, that Chazal has taught us to do, that there's tremendous amount of writings, particularly in Hasidic writings, that have a lot to do with the responsibility that we all have to do what we are here to do. Um, I quote Nesiva Shalom, the Arizal, the various sources that say, like, if a person doesn't know what their particular mission is in this world, it's like they're walking around blind in the dark. Um, that's a, you know, that's a very sharp statement to say. It's almost like, you know, if I haven't discovered my purpose, so then what's the purpose of the rest of the observance that I have? Right. But uh, it's it's a very, very powerful point that, that, first of all, you have to know that it's a very Jewish thing to know who you are and live your individual purpose. And once you know that that's something we have responsibility to do, then then that means God has to help me somehow in order to discover what that is. 
So there must be a path to do so. And once you know there's a path to do so, then it's a matter of finding your way on that path. And how do you do that? So there are, what I, what I talk about in my first book is that there's actually a Lech Lecha process that uh, it's this week's Parsha. Right, right. Right. Lech means to go, which is the removal of distraction in your life. Lecha is to yourself, or like my album is called Journey to the Real You. It's a removal of distraction. First, we have to know that we live in a world where there is so much noise that's covering up our neshamas, that if you want to listen to who you are and discover who that is, it's almost impossible when you have a phone that you're constantly checking for WhatsApps, mm-hmm. when you have the the world around you creating a, a certain type of personality that you're supposed to live up to, whether it's wealth, whether it's creativity, whether it's success. There's all these other role models that are out there that are shaping the way you look at yourself where really you should develop your own way of looking at yourself and understanding that you're different and that difference is something that's precious. Mm-hmm. So we have to turn down the noise. And a lot of people do through mindfulness, through meditation, through our tefillah, which is meditation. Of course, we yes. start to hear that inner voice and that it's, it's, but it's first through the lech part of it. It's, uh, it's the go, it's removal of distractions, peeling away all these layers of, issues of self-esteem, you know, jealousy, all these negative attributes that tend to block us from seeing ourselves. And the second stage is lecha. So what I do to help people find themselves is I have, I I discuss there's three primary personalities that are based on chesed, gvura, and tiferes. They're godly attributes, but they're the foundation of the emotional realm of the spherot. And each one of them are personified by Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And if you study the personality of each one of them, then you find that within ourselves is, we, even though we're supposed to, the world stands on three things, right? Torah, Avod, and Chesed. The truth is that every human being is a personification of the world. And therefore, we too stand on th- those three things. So we need to make sure that we have a balance of all of them, like a tripod, if you remove one leg, it falls over. Right. But at the same time, one of them is at the root of your personality. Your neshama connects more. So like my wife is a chesed personality. That's why she could talk with you on the plane for four hours or yes. whatever it was. <laughs> she, she, she loves people. But that type of personality also has to learn gvura, which is creating boundaries. There's, if you give so much, you become completely depleted of all your you know, beautiful qualities to share with people. So you need gvura in order to make sure the chesed doesn't go completely wild. That's what Ishmael was. So Ishmael was the chesed of Avraham that was uncontrollable. And we have to make sure that whatever the root is of our personality, that is complemented by the other ones. But if you are able to tap into the root of your personality, you will find so much more energy and life that you will thrive in your life because you're tapping into your neshama. Of course, it sounds somewhat simple, three personalities, but there's all kinds of shades of those personalities. Right. On my website, there's a personality test that shows you how much of each of them they are, you have. Wow. So finding the dominant one is very, is, is very helpful. 
not only for your own self-discovery, but also to in relationships. So, for example, if a chesed personality is married to somebody who's a Gevura personality, at first there's going to be various thing, things that seem like they conflict with each other. But but really, the Gevura personality is the one who's providing the chesed with exactly what they need, those boundaries to make their chesed flourish because they're not going to just go like the sun without anything to reflect on. The moon is there to reflect the light of the sun. Right. That's the Gevura. The sun is chesed. So too, within our, our our relationships, that knowing of who you are and understanding other people better is a is a very powerful tool, which is why I've been able to help people with decision making and helping them finding a soulmate. And that's understanding gives them a basis as a starting point to work with. I go much deeper, but that's the starting point. And the point right. the point is that there's a methodology that the Torah gives us to do that which God wants us to do, which is go to yourself, to go discover who you really are. And if if you if you don't believe that's possible, it's a very difficult thing. So by seeing so much in Chazal tell us that we can discover who we are, and there's a it's worth the effort to discover who we are. And if we know that we can remove that distraction and dig deeper, then we can find that true self. The The truth is there's another, there's like a sixth sense we have that really knows ourselves, And it's an emotional understanding of who we are, but that too needs the, 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 um, the, all the noise to be removed in order to hear that voice uh, shine out. It's interesting because the prophets used to go, up, and they certainly didn't have the distractions we have today, but they would go up to the mountains and, and, and stay there for a long period of time just, just to connect with God. So even without the distractions, they still needed that, that quiet time. Right, right. Yeah, so it's even, uh, we have even more challenges today with right. you know, the phones yeah. and, and, and everything else going on. Hmm. Rabbi Green, because of what I do, I have met so many people in my life, um, people from different religions and walks of life. I can honestly say that I communicated with thousands of people, regardless of their outward stature in society. As I got to know them on a more personal level, I realized that they are human like everyone else. We all, we all bleed red blood. And we all cry the same salty tears. But what is it that distinguishes one from another? How does a person's individual aspiration fit into this world? Well, once a person goes through a process of discovering what's unique about themselves, how? then they have how do we how do we how do we know what's unique about ourselves? Is it well, the opinion of somebody else? How do we tap into no, that no there there's it, it has to be a very personal process of self-discovery but that personal pro process self-discovery doesn't mean you can't get people to help you do that um getting advice from people who love you who care for you who are not jealous of you who are not who are who are objectively able to look at you and give you advice to that's a, that's to help a trick <laughs> that, that's right. a tough one <laughs> right it's right because often the people who you know who can give you the most advice are often unavailable it's hard but there's a lot a lot of advice that you can get from not necessarily like rabbinical help but um by talking to people and getting a other people's perspective on 
the way you come across to them. You can learn a lot about who you are, but ultimately has to come back to your own digging for gold, as I described before. We have to know that there's an ashama, which is a divine soul within us, that is so precious that nobody can steal that away. And um, there's this uh, secular psychologist I I quote in my class that... um, that says he holds he holds up a a hundred dollar bill in front of a whole crowd, and he says who wants the hundred dollar bill? And of course everybody wants it unless they're too shy to say. And then uh, he crinkles it up and says who wants it now? And then like half the class says yes. And then he drops on the floor and he stomps on it and and then who wants it now? And then you know there's still people who want it. He says you see I've just proven to you a very important point that no matter how much you get crinkled and stepped on in your life, you're still valuable in the eyes of those who love you. And I was very bothered by that because what if you don't have anybody who loves you? What if a person is alone in this world? Does that mean they don't have a right to love themselves? And I use that as a springboard to go into the fact that in the Torah, the view of things that we have a divine soul that is precious. And if you, you can't even insult yourself, like I have, a, I have a class called I'm Such a Jerk, The Art of Self-Destruction, that people are so concerned about Lush and Hora. I wish they were more concerned, but Lush and Hora about other people. But people don't stop for speaking Lush and Hora about themselves. And the same way you shouldn't insult the creation of God in another person, you shouldn't insult that person inside of you. And yet so we do so. putting oneself down. Putting yourself down, whether right. verbally or in thought. in thought. We have to constantly train ourselves to be very positive about the reality of our self-worth. Not like a coach who's training you. You got to think more positive. I'm going to help you think more positive. We're going to say this over and over and over again to get you to think positive. Rather, it's a matter of God created me in the image of God. That means there's this divine element within me that's so precious that no matter what I do in my life, it's always there. No matter how far Mm -hmm. I fall, that divine soul is there. And in fact, in my new book, what I do is I discuss what that soul is. And I try to get people to become connected to that soul. And the more you read it, the more you see also there's beautiful photography from a friend of mine, Moshe Slots, who lives in the old city and spent hours and hours, it's like three hours a day taking pictures of people who are on fire in prayer. So besides the illustrations that I have in the book about the soul and how it works with the body, how it interacts with the blood and the brain and the left ventricle and the right ventricle. It's all based on Tanya, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's um, a, There's beautiful photographs where you see in the eyes of these people their soul. So this pictures of your soul are also portrayed through these photographs. And so what I try to do is get people to stop thinking like, you know, soul food and soul music and like as if soul is something that's just too abstract to connect to. It's no, it's even though it's spiritual, it's also very concrete in a way. And so I ask all these questions like, where is my soul and how does my spiritual soul stay within my physical body? It just doesn't make sense. And these are questions that I answer 
you know, based on the Tanya that give a very, very explicit picture of what that soul is. And then I discuss, you know, how to deal with, you know, when you, when you fall to a low place, so the, the Tanya helps us understand different paths of recovery from being in a low place. Um, And in this book as well, my music, my new album called Empty Spaces which is all based on a meditation is, is um, the QR codes are woven throughout there as well with the lyrics to the songs so that you feel a connection emotionally to the content of the book as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ponce de Leon searched for the fountain of youth, uh, which as we know really does not exist. And, and we as a society have accepted that. So we moisturize our skin and some people will keep uh, plastic surgeons in business. But we have pretty much accepted that we all get older as long as we remain alive. Yet when it comes to happiness, we keep searching. And sometimes the best of us in a deep desire to find happiness oftentimes search for love in all the wrong places, as uh, the lyric in the song goes. Where and how does one determine where happiness lies? Uh, Is it accepting that that we should just be happy with our lots? Because for some people... (laughs) Their lot is empty. As you said, some people are alone. They don't have anyone to love them. Right. Well, happiness has to be ultimately between you and a Kaddish Baruch um, If you're depending on other people to make you happy, then that's not fair. I mean, some people um, never get married and some people never have kids and some right. people struggle through all kinds of illnesses and that doesn't mean they don't have a responsibility to be happy. Um, it's something which is going to have to come from a place within. And um, God wants us to be happy. Right. And if you and, know... Right. And sometimes right. being happy is the biggest challenge for some people. Right, right. But I'll, I'll tell you a, a little story that may seem irrelevant at first. But when I was in college, so... One day a week, I used to be able to book a recording studio. And for me, that's like my creative, inventive energy working in the studio. Just somehow it grabbed a part of my soul that enabled just even if I went and exhausted, I would book in in the early evening so that no one would book after me. And I'd go in and I would be exhausted from my day of, of school and I could stay up till like four in the morning because I was so energized by being in the studio and recording music that like all this, this hidden energy came out of me. And I think that that's what people have to discover within themselves. Where are the, where's the fountain of your energy and excitement for life? Where, what, what is it? What are the things that, you as an individual, not what your mommy wants you to do, not what your, you know, your Zadie wants you to do, whatever, not your, your friends or your, your, the rabbi at the shul. What, what is it that makes you come alive? And um, that's unfortunately for many people very covered up. And therefore, it is an obligation to try to uncover that, that Lech process I discussed before about removing distraction. It's not just a matter of removing distraction. It's finding where there's a, a light that, that, that wants to shine. And that, that is your 
going to be your experiential source of happiness if you can tap into that. So mm -hmm. that which kept me up all night in the recording studios, once I refined what that really was, I find it in so many other areas of life. I can find it in my learning. I can find it in my teaching. I can find mm -hmm. it in my music writing today. And I think that uh, a lot of people think they have to buy into a particular career to make them happy. Like, you know, what should I do with my life? I don't yes. know which career to take to make me happy. But the truth is that, like, I mean, I know someone who was a, he was a um, criminal lawyer, not him being the criminal, but the, I understand, the I understand. <laughs> criminal and, defense attorney, uh, I get he it. <laughs> was, he, he got, he, 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 one day he decided, you know what, I'm going to move to Israel and become a baker. Oh. Now you say, well, well, how did he get the courage to leave law, which is a prestigious position, to being a baker, which doesn't get that much credit. Um, he's actually become very successful oh, here in Israel. Well, good piece of cake, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's the kind of guy who needs to have flour all over his pants, you know, with the keys hanging down the side from, for, you know, for all the different doors he has to open up. That's the type of person he was, and he is. And therefore, he decided that I have to express myself from that place, which is genuine from within me. And I think if people find what that is, then that is the key to happiness. Then they're expressing it. I, they should always do a checkup. Is this what Hashem wants from me? Is this what Hashem wants from me? But Hashem does want you to feel alive and he wants you to feel happy. And therefore, by tapping into that, which wakes you up and gets you going, is that that is what you should insert more into your life so you don't have to wait to go on a holiday in order to enjoy yourself every day should be a holiday because every day is utilizing those natural gifts that god gives you and using them to express the various responsibilities that we have in this world wow I'm also a matchmaker, and um, I try to help people make choices in finding their soulmate. Sadly, some never accomplish that goal. Some even sabotage a good relationship. What can you tell us about that? Well, I actually had a... I was teaching in Toronto, and I had these two... Uh, a guy and a girl, who a couple. And for some reason, the the woman kept asking me about the issue of loyalty. And I'm like, like, why is she asking me this? You know, the guy she's married to is a very, very sweet, edel guy. And she, they're very, like, a, they're both a beautiful couple. They were like, you know, they had everything going for them. Right. And I found out later they divorced. And that's because the, the lowest common denominator of self-esteem is what will control the relationship. When we say the ahafta l'ra'echa kamocha, love your neighbor as yourself, well, how could you possibly love your neighbor as yourself in, you know, in reality? Well. So the idea is that if you can love yourself, then you have the ability to love your neighbor. And you trust that you are worthy of being loved. So it goes in both directions. I have what to give to them and i can trust that now they will love me but if they ha suffer from low self-esteem that will destroy the relationship because oh they'll goodness. never believe that they're worthy of being loved and therefore it will always 
bring the relationship down to that lowest point of self-esteem. They'll drag the relationship to that depressing place wow. and, and it ends. And I've seen that over and over again. And so I try to help people discover their self-esteem as being the foundation before, like when I was teaching at Neve Yerushalayim, which is like, you know, you learn for a couple of years and then you go out and you meet a Balchuva from one of the Balchuva yeshivas. That's like, that's the standard procedure. And um, I would discourage girls from going out if I felt that they had a self-esteem issue. So I would help them with self-esteem, which is what all my classes ultimately, you know, lead to. Rabbi Torsky Elvashalom told me that at the time he wrote 80 books and they're all on self-esteem. You know, so it, when a person uh, underlying does not recognize that they're created in the image of God and what the beauty is of that. So that's going to have a profound negative effect on the relationships because they don't believe they have what to offer or what to be loved for. So they will they will bring it down. They will find a way to bring it down. But also for a person who's uh searching for their soulmate, for their for their shared, for the person that they hope to marry one day, would you say they should look for somebody that appears to have a healthy sense of self esteem? It's it's a luxury today, but yes, somebody who has a strong sense of self esteem is 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 you're well, starting off on the right foot. Relationship. Yeah, they're capable of having a healthy right. healthy relationship for sure. Wow. Can you tell us about your music album called uh, Journey to the Real You? Yeah, Journey to the Real You is an album that I wrote, um, all based on the book, a book about you. It's all about self-discovery. Um, journey to the real you is, is as you as you described in in the introduction. Um, a lot of people wait to go traveling somewhere very exciting, and you know they dream of the day that's coming up eventually, and they're going to go on this trip and go somewhere, and and see the most incredible things. But what I try to teach people is that there's a far more incredible destination, which is the you, the real you, inside of you, if you discover just how incredible a human being is and then who you are as an individual, there's so much there that is incredible journey. So the whole album is like, there's one song called Peace of Mind. There's another one called Windows of Your Mind. There's one called Real You. Um, There's a song about Shabbos as as a means to uh, remove the distraction of the world around you and hear your soul or your your second soul that you get on Shabbos. Right. Um, and so the album is all bringing people to that sense of awareness and inner peace. And, and so there's meditations through it, um, not spoken meditation, but musical meditations through right. it. Um, I have one song called Jerusalem, Eye of the Universe, which if you go on YouTube has about 150,000 views for um, me just expressing my love for Yerushalayim, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is a big part of me. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, it's so I'm, I'm sharing uh, myself with people, but I'm also helping other people hopefully share themselves with themselves as well. Can you share with us about your life in the film industry in Hollywood? Oh, my experience there? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it all, it all started from a um, an altruistic stand where I was 
living in Toronto at the time, and I was uh, very, very bothered by the way the media was covering Israel. Um, you know, and and there'd be especially like the in the Toronto newspaper, the Toronto Star, you'd see on the front uh, this poor little Palestinian holding a stone, and they, you'd see the 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 frame of a an Israeli soldier with a big gun, right. and and th- these are images that were repeatedly shaping the impression of what what it, you know the relationship is between Israel and the Palestinians, and um, I decided I wanted to produce a film that shows the bias in the media, and I hooked up with a producer, Simply Akabovich, who um, who produced this film. Uh, directed the film, and what he did was he went to all these um, different Palestinian villages and J- Jewish uh, settlements and interviewed people and showed, you know, both sides of the story. Um, and people would say it's a very, you know, left-wing movie in a way, but but back then perhaps it was. Today it would probably be looked at as being fanatically right-wing, because back then, you know, it was a uh, it, it was okay to sh- like show both sides of the story. Here, if you show the Jewish side of the story, it's like you're violating, you know, hu- human rights. Uh, you know, so I, I got involved in that film, and the next thing I knew, it run- won all kinds of awards in Canada and Europe, and and uh, then I I was running a, a a program which brought students to Israel in the summers. And I wanted to raise money for it. So I thought, let me produce a film. And and all the proceeds from that would go towards this program. Right. And and that's when I wrote, uh, wrote this film called Home Safe, which was all about how to protect your home from little kids having accidents. And, you know, and I had a doctor from the, the emergency ward and Martin Short was the the star of it. And there was all these funny clips, but it was educating people on how to have home safety. And the next thing I knew, B- Disney picked it up and because they loved Martin Short and they, right. <laughs> they distributed it. And, uh, you know, I, so I got, I got involved in Hollywood more not looking to be a Hollywood producer, but maybe that's why I ended up being one because I was, yeah. I was striving for something else. Right. Rabbi Green, this was absolutely fascinating. Thank Thank you for being with us here today, all the way from Israel. Please thank your lovely wife for this connection. Okay. Thank you to Vinus and to our audience for tuning in. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your host, Bela Seabrow. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.